Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday uh, to you and yours. Uh, Happy five days before the weekend. Man, that seems like a long trip. But you know what's going to make it easier? The greatness of today's show. And boy, do I have a fire that I'm going to start today. Uh, Dave Shannon and Steve Kim are going to both be here to help me fan the flames of this fire that I'm about to set. Uh, Shamika Michelle uh, will join us on the back end of the show. She's got some questions for me and Uncle Jimmy. I think her question to me has to do with uh, Rachel Levine being named Man of the Year by the Babylon Bee. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we'll have an approval rating segment on ESPN, which I'm about to start a fire about. There is. I'm sorry. This, I was not planning to mention this, but this weekend I thought about it and I was like, I got to squeeze this into the show. So before I get to my fire starter, I just want to say one quick thing. And I wish I hadn't even told the producers. I just remembered it in real time of what I wanted to mention on today's show. Uh, And so. Hopefully we'll we'll put in an image to help you guys understand uh, what what I'm talking about here, but I just have to make this point. Out of greed, it's not connected to anything else I want to say today, but there were a lot of people this weekend making a big deal of Juwan Howard, Michigan's basketball coach. Uh, They knock off and and, and pull an upset over what's slipping my mind? Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee right here in Nashville. And Jawan Howard consoles one of the Tennessee players. I think it's the Chandler kid who was crying uncontrollably. And people are making this big deal. I saw Kendrick Perkins, make sure y'all show this image of Jawan Howard consoling a Tennessee player like y'all did him slapping somebody. And I just want to tell everybody, like, the handshake line is about showing grace and class after you lose, it's very easy for the winning coach to demonstrate grace in class. He's not upset. And so he's in a very giving mood. And it's quite common for the winning coach to console a player on the other team who's just lost a game and perhaps ended his college career, certainly ended his season. Uh, I don't know why that was so important uh, for me to make that point, but I did. it, it just... All this weekend, I thought I was watching Michigan. I was actually rooting for Michigan. I I lived in Ann Arbor. I want Jawan Howard to be successful. I thought his little post-game hug of the kid was kind of opportunistic. I do think it was real, but I think it was opportunistic. 
And, and then for people to make this big deal like he's done something incredible that we haven't seen from other coaches is just not true because it happens all the time. What's newsworthy and unusual is for a coach to strike another coach in the handshake line. That does not happen. And so that's why it was big news. No idea. This is the unscripted, crazy Jason Whitlock that just wanted to make that point. Now, I want to get to my bigger point, and I want to start my fire. I hope I have, I, I haven't messed up the fire. Uh, American essayist Charles Dudley Warner coined the phrase, politics makes strange bedfellows. It was written as an observation in the mid-1800s. Christians should have been interpreted as a warning. The adoption of political identity will eventually align you with your enemies and inevitably detach you from your faith. We can see this process unfolding in the sports world in real time. The ultimate example of American meritocracy and exceptionalism, competitive sports, is no match for politics' ability to divide, corrupt, and conquer. Politics is always about power and money. It cannot coexist on equal footing with faith. Politics is about the rulership of earth and has no concern with salvation in an afterlife. It is short-sighted, greedy, and unethical. It obeys Caesar's creed, if you must break the law, do it to seize power, in all other cases, observe it. Just six short years ago, NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick made arenas and stadiums platforms for political expression of dissatisfaction. He said he kneeled during the national anthem because police officers killed black men without consequence. Soon after, soccer star Megan Rapino and others joined Kaepernick in protest. And soon after that, on-field protests were about far more than the value of black lives. It was about equal pay for female jocks, LGBT rights, Trump resistance, LGBTQ rights, MAGA resistance, LGBTQ plus rights, voter ID laws in Georgia, and now finally, LGBTQIA plus rights. Late last week, ESPN employees called for a moment of silence because Florida Governor Ron DeSantis plans to sign a law that, among other things, places limits on what Florida schools can teach young students about gender and sexuality. HB 1557 is the Parental Rights in Education Bill. Its critics claim it discriminates against the LGBTQIA community. Critics call it the Don't Say Gay Bill. ESPN anchor L. Duncan, AKA light-skinned Jamel Hill, took to the airwaves to express displeasure with Florida lawmakers. Here's the clip. Legislation happening in Florida and across other states as well that are targeting our LGBTQI plus communities. Many of our colleagues here at ESPN 
have planned and organized a walkout that will be happening at 3 p.m. Eastern today. And to be honest with you, we thought we were going to come here today and really celebrate a sport that has meant so much and done so much, including for so many in the LGBTQI plus communities. But we understand the gravity of this legislation and also how it is affecting so many families across this country. And because of that, our allyship is going to take a front seat. And with that, we're going to pause in solidarity. Yep, uh, ESPN basketball broadcasters, Carolyn Peck and Courtney Lyle, they were up next. Listen to them. Courtney Lyle, Carolyn Peck. Now, normally at this time, we would take a look back at the first half, but there are things bigger than basketball that need to be addressed at this time. Our friends, our family, our coworkers, the players and coaches in our community are hurting right now. And at 3 o'clock, about eight minutes ago, our LGBTQIA plus teammates at Disney asked for our solidarity and support, including our company's support, in opposition to the parental rights in education bill in the state of Florida and similar legislature across the United States. And a threat to any human rights is a threat to all human rights. And at this time, Courtney and I, we're going to take a pause from our broadcast to show our love and support for our friends, our families, and our colleagues. How many more letters are we going to add? To this. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it was really just G and L, gay and lesbians. Or maybe it was just gay, because gay included lesbians. How many more letters? They keep adding letters and keeping the plus. And, and I know what letter they're really after. It's the P for pedophilia. That's why they keep putting that plus. No matter how many letters, this may include the entire alphabet except for the P, and they'll still put a plus on there because at some point they want to legalize and normalize pedophilia. It's going to happen within our lifetime. Parents having authority over what their kids are taught in public schools is a threat to the LGBTQIA plus community? Ah. Parents created the LGBTQIA plus community. But, but I'll play the game and let, let's say that it is. Why is this threat being analyzed, discussed, and combated on Disney's sports network? Why can't it be covered exclusively on Disney's ABC News Network? Are there any Disney employees who see abortion as a threat to babies in the womb? And will those employees be allowed to call for a moment of silence on a Disney platform? Sports and religion used to be partners. Teams took knees together in pre and post game prayer, Churches sponsored baseball, basketball, and football leagues. The best coaches saw their profession as a ministry. Politics does not leave room for religion. Coaches now prioritize making political statements rather than religious ones. 
Nick Saban appearing in a Black Lives Matter commercial is good for recruiting. So is hiring female assistant football coaches. In the not so distant future, Saban will need to appear in a commercial vowing support for the LGBTQIA community. BLM and the LGBTQIA are the same organization. It's the Alphabet Mafia. They're making offers, ESPN, Nick Saban, Greg Popovich, the NFL, and the NBA can't refuse. Black Lives Matters was a Trojan horse for imposing secular values on popular culture. Sports had been the most powerful tool supporting traditional Judeo-Christian values in American culture. Men's sports celebrated the patriarchy. That is no longer the case. Kaepernick led the invasion of politics into sports. He gave Disney and ESPN the excuse they needed to overhaul sports culture into something that, that pleases the alphabet mafia by disavowing Christian principles and values. Secularizing American sports is the gateway drug to overthrowing the U.S. Constitution. That is a big tinfoil hat conspiracy statement and theory, but damn it, I'm not wrong, let me explain. Like sports, our Constitution is infused with Christian principles and values. Live sports programming is the strongest content force in American culture. The NFL is the most popular show on five different TV networks, CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, and the NFL Network. If you want to communicate with a large audience, football, college and pro, is the only product that works consistently at a high level. Basketball works to a lesser degree. Changing sports to a celebration of secular and Marcus, Marcus, Marxist values is preparing American minds for politicians to call for a reimagining of our Constitution. We're deep into the process. Over the past month, corporate media pundits have called anyone who questions our strategy related to war in the Ukraine as treasonous. Just think about that. How can an opinion about a war between Ukraine and Russia be treasonous for an American? But that's what they've been saying about Tucker Carlson and Tulsi Gabbard and anybody else that questions our strategy, our tactics in Ukraine. You can't say anything bad about Vladimir Putin. You can't say anything not hyper negative about Vladimir Putin without being called treasonous here in America. Here's just an example, Mitt Romney calling Tucker Carlson treasonous. And the most popular Republican broadcaster in America, Tucker Carlson, are both unabashed fans of Putin. And there are very few Republicans out there like Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney who have the courage to call them out. This is a disgrace. How anybody in this country, which loves freedom, can side with Vladimir Putin which is an oppressor, a dictator. He kills people. 
Uh, he he imprisons his political opponents. Uh, He has been an adversary of America at every uh, chance he's had. It's unthinkable to be. It's, It's almost treasonous. So if you don't go on TV and and limit your comments to Vladimir Putin is Adolf Hitler, Vladimir Putin is bad, Vladimir Putin is the worst person on the planet. If you actually try to delve deeper into a discussion and try to analyze like, hey, what's really going on here? Was America, uh, were, were NATO countries trying to set up shop in the Ukraine? And does Vladimir Putin have a right to see that as a threat to Russia? Again, we need to ask these questions. I don't know the answers to them. I just want it discussed and debated. That's what we used to do here in America. Probe, analyze, question things so that we'll have a deeper understanding. We just don't blindly put our faith in government officials. The standard of you have to describe Vladimir Putin as Hitler or you're being treasonous to America. It just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for thinking people. The world is too complicated for that kind of simplistic analysis and discussion. And to see all the... Republicans, Democrats, corporate media, everybody all in the same bed about Russia and the Ukraine. We're not talking about 9-11, about something that happened to us. Everybody is in agreement on something that happened in the Ukraine, in Russia? We can't question this? How is this treasonous? I don't see these people speaking against America. They're asking questions. The the definition of America and American sovereignty is being redefined right before your eyes. We're not America. We're a part of this global country, this global institution, NATO. Protecting NATO is more important than protecting our own borders, than protecting our own constitution, than protecting the free speech and freedoms of Americans. If an American doesn't criticize Vladimir Putin loud enough, corporate media says you're committing treason. But just think this through. This clown, Eli Mistel, the, the, the dude with the crazy, the, the, the overweight Cornell West, he can go on national TV and call our constitution trash without being labeled a traitor. You guys remember this, him on The View? So are you arguing for throwing out the constitution? Should the constitution be thrown out? What do we do? Is it a living document Is it a, or is it a sacred document? It's certainly not sacred, all right? Let's start there. <laughs> the constitution is kind of trash. Now, let's just, again, let's just talk as adults for a second. What did you say? It's what? It's kind of trash. Trash. It was was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. They didn't ask anybody to look like me what they thought about the Constitution. Mm -hmm. They didn't say, oh, Jim, come over here. What do you think about this old Constitution? Well, Massa, 
I so don't like how you sell my children. Um, but I gotta say, man, this King George, he needs to be stopped. Yeah. My, my grandpappy used to say, ain't no taxation without representation for Massa. Like, that's not what happened. Okay. Right? This document was written without the consent of black and brown people in this country and without the consent of women in this country. And I say if that, that if that is the starting point, mm-hmm. the very least we can do is ignore what those slavers and colonists and misogynists thought and interpret the Constitution in a way that makes sense for our modern world. That, that man just went on national TV without being called a traitor without anybody on set being repulsed by what he was saying. He went on national TV and began the discussion of why we need a new constitution. He's not a traitor. He's not treasonous. He's the overweight Cornell West arguing that our constitution is trash. He's an idiot. You wanna talk about a Russian plant, an operative for some foreign interest, he fits the description. Someone going on national TV and trashing a constitution that has lived for more than 200 years, laid the foundation for the elimination of slavery and the elimination of other forms of racism, and that's what the constitution did. You can trash the slave owners and the people that wrote it, they were flawed men of their time, no question about it. But that document that they wrote was filled with Christian values and Christian principles, and that's why it has lived and worked for as long as it has, and that's why it's been the foundation. The Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, have been the foundation for the progress that we've made here in America along racial lines, along gender lines, any steps America has taken towards fairness and equality can be directly attributed to the Constitution because the Constitution was written with the Bible in mind. Those are facts, undeniable. If this clown can point to another country with a founding document as strong and as fair and that has worked as well as ours, I'll listen to him. This dude can't write a research paper that would stand up for more than a year or two and he's talking about a document that has lived and has worked very well and has Royce White said on this show, described it perfectly, it's a self-perfecting document. It is brilliant. I don't care how flawed the men were that wrote it. I really don't. If a KKK member came in here right now and dropped a million dollars on this desk and said, hey, Jason, it's yours, no questions asked, it's all legal, it's good, take that and use it to help your family. I would, I can't take that million dollars. You and the K, I'm gonna take that money and the KKK man, we gonna escort you out the door and I'll never see you again. I don't care that Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were flawed. The document that they conceived, signed, wrote, 
is not flawed. And the flaws that were in it have been fixed because the document is that brilliant. That man, Eli Mistel, the Russian plant, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party plant, he's the traitor. He's committing treason. You have to recognize that the social engineers are intentionally manipulating the American mind. All things infused with Christian values are under attack. Sports are a battlefield for the attack. A political identity, whether red or blue, will put you at odds with a Christian identity. Our bedfellows aren't strange, they're evil. I wanna go back to a point I made last week, and I, I didn't get to elaborate on this point as much as I want to, I wanted to. I, I, we got the Newsweek image of Obama that, that I asked for. Uh, let, let's put that up, because last week I talked about, yeah, that's, that's Barack Obama during his presidency after he legalized gay marriage. Newsweek held him, hailed him as the first gay president. And last week, <clears throat> I was telling you all about what I call the Obama bundle. It's like a cable bundle. You can't just buy one channel, you get a bundle. You get all these other channels that uh, you may or may not use. You just wanted ESPN, you just wanted sports, but you gotta buy Lifetime and A&E and all these other channels, MTV, that you may never click on, but they're part of the bundle. And so what America thought it was getting with Barack Obama, the first gay president according to Newsweek, they thought they were getting BET. Black entertainment television. They oh, look how, look how uh, unracist I am. I bought the BET Barack Obama bundle. And so white liberals just, oh, this is a chance for me to prove I'm not racist. And I bought the BET bundle. And black people uh, caught up in race idolatry Oh, black president, we free at last, free at last. I got BET and everybody got BET. And what we ended up finding out after eight years of Obama's presidency is there was nothing about the Obama bundle that was beneficial to black people. You didn't actually get BET. The channel that you got and Newsweek pointed it out, put him, this was back when Newsweek was a powerful magazine and magazines still mattered to some degree back then. They told you what you got. You got the LGBTQIA plus channel. That's the real bundle. That's the real network that you bought. The Alphabet Mafia. That is his legacy.
Just like Lincoln's legacy is he freed the slaves, Obama's legacy is he freed the gays. That's just a fact. And so this sounds like I have this great animus towards the LGBT community. I'm sorry, I do not. I don't have great animus for them. I just don't. I just happen to think some of their lifestyle choices mirror my own sinful lifestyle choices. I don't think their lifestyle choices are healthy. Just like my sexual promiscuity, I don't think it was healthy. My gluttony, I don't think is healthy. And so all I'm saying is that Barack Obama's real agenda, real legacy was about the LGBTQ. And so those of you that thought you bought the BET package didn't get black entertainment television. What you got was where we're at today. His legacy lives on. The Alphabet Mafia and the LGBT, GBT or whatever it is, that agenda has taken precedence over everything else in America. Every, that's why the schools are trying to teach your kids about gender and sexuality. They want to groom your kids in a lifestyle that heterosexual parents may not be on board with. That's what's going on in our schools. And so when L. Duncan and, and uh, ESPN and Disney are jamming this down your throat because they have, as L. Duncan said, allyship with the LGBTQ. If you remember, this was allegedly about Black Lives Matters. This was allegedly about black men getting killed in the streets. That was always a game. That was always a Trojan horse. Newsweek told you what the agenda was. It's about mainstreaming the LGBTQIA+, which will eventually include P for pedophilia. It's about mainstreaming that into American culture. And it's and and what in order to achieve that, they're eventually going to rewrite the Constitution. Hope and change is about changing the Constitution and changing American culture and disconnecting it from God and faith. These are un deniable facts. They want you to place your hope in the government, not your, not your hope in religious faith and God put your hope in the government and watch the government change everything. And that's what the government is doing. And they got people like Eli Mistel running out there, starting the conversation and planning in your mind. Yeah. Kunta Kinte didn't get to write that constitution. How can that constitution be fair if Kunta Kinte didn't get to help write it? 
and neither did Betsy Ross. She didn't get to write the Constitution. How can the Constitution be fair if Betsy Ross didn't get to write it? They don't want you to evaluate and discuss the contents of the Constitution. They want you to discuss who wrote it. And because Betsy Ross and Kunta Kinte didn't get to write it, it can't be any good. Well, damn it, I didn't build airplanes. And no one that looked like me was a right brother, as far as I know. But these damn planes work, and I'm glad they're here. And I don't want, we need to build new planes. Frederick Douglass didn't get to make a plane. Madam C.J. Walker, she didn't make a plane. Therefore, a plane is no good. This is the idiocy and the logic that's being espoused here because we're so caught up in race idolatry and sex idolatry, ideology. Who you're screwing, they're telling you, is the most important thing going on in your life. And the color of your skin is right there with it. It's all these, take on this identity. I'm gay, I'm black, I'm conservative, I'm liberal. Take on all these different identities and, and put your identity in Christ on the back burner. Don't see the world through a biblical lens. See it through a racial lens. See it through a sexual lens. See it through a gender lens. Just please, God, don't see it through a biblical lens. That's the entire message, agenda, and it's what we're experiencing. That's why the sports world is under attack. The sports world and the Constitution were both infused with biblical values that are being stripped. They're stripping it from the sports world because that will prepare your mind when they strip it from the Constitution and it will justify in your mind or help justify in your mind. Oh yeah, we need a new Constitution. These clowns, Eli Overweight, Cornell West, and these other clowns, Stacey Abrams, can't even balance a checkbook, but she's going to help write the U.S. Constitution. She, in, in the Star Trek, she's the president of the United States. Can't balance a checkbook. Credit score, credit score about the same as her weight, 300-some-odd pounds. She's president of the United States. This... It's an assault. I, I'm just sorry. Hey, look, the Bible's crystal clear about who came first and what roles we need to play. And these people are upset with the Bible and upset with your Christian worldview. They don't want men in leadership positions. They have to get, they have to remove biblical thinking from your mind in order to dislodge men from places of leadership. 
Dave Shannon is going to help me uh, fan these flames. Before we get to Dave Shannon, I want to tell you about Good Ranchers. You need to check out our friends over at Good Ranchers. They sell amazing ribeyes, T-bones, New York strips, chicken, and seafood, all sourced 100% from American farms and ranches. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of grocery shopping. They make mealtime easy, convenient, and less stressful. And more importantly, it can be delivered to you right in the comfort of your home. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to goodranches.com fearless right now. Stop inflation in your home by subscribing and lo locking in your price. Use my code fearless to get your $30 savings on your box of 100% American meat. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Dave, the Idaho potato, my man from Idaho. I hope you're ready uh, for this conversation. I've opened up a can. I've gone a million different directions. I hope I tied it all together and it makes sense. Uh, so I, I don't even, I've said so much, I don't even know where I want to start with you. Uh, I think we're just going to talk about how much weight you lost and the fact that uh, you 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 know, I don't know, Jason, you just took it all from me. Everything's gone. It's so good. I was sitting here, forgot I was on the show. Actually, <laughs> I was like, this is good stuff. You know, if there's let, one let, thing I let's do. Let's start here, Dave. Yeah, Go yeah, yeah. Let, let's start here, Dave. I, I, I think the biggest mistake all of us have made. Not me, but I'm gonna include myself. Everyone has accepted all these other identities. Then they place these other identities on themselves beyond Christian. I see so many people on social media first they, oh, I'm a conservative. Oh, I'm a Republican. Oh, I'm a Democrat. Oh, I'm, I'm this. My pronouns are this, 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 this. And, and, and the first one is rarely, oh, I'm a Christian. And just leave it at that. Just leave it there. That's all you need. All these other identities are irrelevant if your identity is in Christ. And so once you take on all these other identities, you're just on a slow boat to uh, away from God. That, that's what I think is going on here in America. We've adopted every other identity because we want to be inclusive. Oh, being a Christian's not inclusive. Not everyone's a Christian. So? And so, oh, I want to be a conservative because that's more inclusive. Well, there's a great value in exclusivity. And we have forgotten that. Well, Jason, there's a couple things I want to, I kind of want to define this a little bit. First, I want to say when we talk about identity, we really need to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. This is very, very important because one of the things we can't forget is that God thinks our identity is beautiful. So when he made man, he made man, man. And when he made woman, he made woman, woman. He gave them two different identities right there that they will not just have at the creation of themselves, but that they will have from full eternity all the way out to heaven and living beyond that. When he when Jesus came into the world, he made him uh, he was uh, he came into the world as a Jew, as a man. And when he, re when he raised from the dead, he was raised in the same way. He didn't change that identity. The identity was consistent. And so one of the things, and when we look in Revelations, we also see Revelation. I always hate when I say Revelation. I hear so many people say it. But when we look at Revelation, we see that there is an identity there. Every tribe and every nation from every tongue is going to be represented there. 
So this is extremely important because our identity that God gives us in the beginning from our very birth is something that will be with us throughout eternity. So the, so the identity issue isn't so much of the problem as it is submission to it. Identity isn't the, def, the, the defining thing of who you are. It's submission to God as the person who gave you that. So, for instance, William Thomas, who is racing against women right now, he is a man. He can try all that he wants to do to try not to be a man, but he can do all the surgeries. But at the end of the day, when it's time for a resurrection and he's judged by God for for believing in Christ or rejecting Christ, he will be judged as a man. He will have that very identity that God gave him at the beginning. So we it's okay to have identities so long as it's submitted to the super identity, like you were saying earlier, which is to Christ. So those identities need to be under submission. And what we're seeing right now is that our identities, we're trying to create, when you remove God from the equation, what you then have is rampant identity with no submission and no standard of what you even are. You can create it. You can make it. You can mold it to whatever you want to be. And so the thing that we're seeing is a, a complete rejection of the super identity, the super definer of individuals. And that's what's happening. So I don't think that we're having... Um, I, an identity crisis so much as we're having a, a I hate God crisis because identities are given to us by God. He puts people access in places and in times and in countries throughout history. He gives them identity. He embraces. He loves that about man. Matter of fact, when all the men in the Tower of Babel were trying to be in one place to make a name for themselves there, he scattered them. So that they can make beautiful identities and then he brings it all together in Christ so that he can say, look, I have made this all fit together. And he does it his way, the way he's supposed to do it as we are in submission to that identity. So, yeah, I think that that's part of our problem in one sense. We are trying to remove the super identity and then let our identities have that spot of the super identity. We don't want to submit to that. So our real problem is submission. I, I love your point. I agree with most of it. But I, I, and look, I do think that obviously man, woman, those are identities. Yeah. American, Iranian, uh, European, Brazilian, you live in. Right. Those are identities. I, I get that. The identities I reject are. I just don't think black, white, brown, I don't think those are that important. And and so I don't want to be burdened by those identities. I just want to be judged as a Christian. I don't want to be burdened with conservative or liberal because I don't think I'm either. I'm just trying to be the best Christian I can be. A lot of times I fail. A lot of times I fail, but that is my goal. I'm not trying to be the best conservative. I'm not trying to be the best liberal. I'm trying to be the best Christian American that I can be. That I was born here in America. I'm trying to be the best. I feel like my parents gave me an identity to be a Whitlock and to represent them in a way that brings them honor and respect. I accept that identity, but but this whole political identity and how it has become the primary definer of people, I think is divisive because I think politics 
is a corrupt endeavor that is a slave to power and money. Mm. And, and, and I get that government is a, a God creation to some degree, and, and he wants you to be respectful of government, but he, he wants you to submit and obey his doctrine, his gospel, uh, Jesus Christ. And, and so I just think we've given way too much to Caesar and not nearly enough to God. I don't disagree with you with that. And also, I don't think that those two things have to be at odds, Jason. You know, Romans 13, um, it says, submit to the powers that be because they are deacons of God, right? Talking about the civil magistrate. Everybody talks about submission to the authority, but what they forget is that whose authority is it? They are deacons of God. A deacon of God means that all that their authority comes from God. So that means they have to submit to his laws, too. You know, the the civil magistrate is God's civil magistrate. And what we see in politics right now is not just the people that are drifting, Jason. We're also seeing the fact that the government itself is drifting from God. It is God's government. When, when we look at politics, it's not, you know, I know me and you right, right here might have a little conflict in how we look at government because I look at politics as just the same way I look at culture. It is religion externalized. So what we see in our politics is actually seeing the kind of God that we are submitting to. When you submit to God in the family, when you submit to God in the church, and when you submit to God in the culture, the politics flows out from that. And so what we're not having a conflict with is politics versus religion. What we're seeing is a different religion in politics. And that's the conflict that I think you're seeing. You're seeing, oh, man, this politics is not matching up with Christianity. You're saying it shouldn't be like that. You're right, because the politics is telling you we are serving a different God. And so when people are talking politics, Jason, they're not talking politics. Politics always has a God. Religion is inescapable. They're just telling you what religion that they are. And so when we're seeing politics and Christianity in conflict, what we're seeing is, I believe, God taking ultimately letting other worldviews come in consistence with themselves will eventually fall so that the true religion of politics, the true authority in politics will come eventually to the top. And this is God's plan. So one of the things that we can take comfort in when we see the LGBTQ plus, which I'm glad that you're talking about the plus because people don't know that P is silent, but it's coming. Um, What we're seeing is the consistency of these worldviews coming to fruition. Stupidity and ignorance and rebellion to God is not sustainable. And our politics is a false God that is bringing in unsustainability, it will eventually fall. It can't contain itself consistently like this. And what we need to do in this process is go back to things that you've been saying for a long time, Jason. We need to go back to our foundational principles. We have drifted and the evidence of our drift is in our political engagement, is in our political world, is in our sports, it's everywhere in our culture. That stuff isn't just happening in tandem by itself. It's happening because we have drifted from the foundations of the principles of Christianity. And so when we look at the problem, it's us, because our politics always reflects our religion. Love the point. You've really helped me and enlighten me and giving me some context. I, I, I want to show you a video of a school in Austin, Texas, uh, 
Oh boy. Because I, I think there's a lot of people that don't understand what's going on in schools. And this is from the, lib, the libs of TikTok Twitter feed. They do a great job of exposing what's going on with young people and kids and just real manifestations of this whole liberal agenda. This is a, it appears to me, third, fourth, fifth graders or whatever uh, at a school in Austin, Texas, that are having a in-school gay pride parade through the halls of their school. Uh, the, the school, without the knowledge of parents, had planned a gay pride week. And so I just don't understand how anybody can object to parents saying, well, hold on. Gay pride, you're introducing this to my kids, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever it is. That should be an issue parents should handle and be the leaders of at home. This isn't math. This isn't science. This isn't uh, English. This isn't grammar. This is a, a worldview and a thought, and, and you have to be re respectful of, okay, a lot of these kids, a percentage, maybe it's on down to 20%, but maybe it's 50, 60% are, are growing up in a household where the parents have religious views that aren't in alignment with Gay Pride Week. And, and things like this are happening all over the country, and, and I bring it up just to, again, I want you to comment on my new theory or new suggested analogy of like the Obama bundle that I don't think people recognize at the time when they were voting for Barack Obama and he's the greatest president of all time and Newsweek puts him on the cover as the first gay president and his legacy really is what he did for gay people. He freed the slaves. He's the Abraham Lincoln uh, for gay people. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people are aware of how that manifests itself and that it was going to lead to these types of events in schools all across the country. And parents are, are justifiably like, hey, I don't want teachers teaching my kids about gender and sexuality, particularly in kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. I don't want my kids thinking about that when they come to school. I don't want some teacher that I don't really know being the head of that discussion. But I, 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 I'm just telling this to me has always been part of the Obama bundle. Thought you were getting BET, you were actually getting LGBTQIA+, and as you say, the P is silent. Jason, I, I think that there's a very, very sad thing that's happening right now. I think parents are just now waking up to the understanding that education itself, just like politics, is not neutral. Education never has been neutral. There's always going to be a God of that system, too. You know, the other thing that we didn't know that we were getting with Obama and Obergefell, by the way, which is gay marriage, was trans the whole trans movement. Inside of the first or second sentence inside of Obergefell allows them to be able to find themselves however they want. You're right. We didn't know we were getting because we thought I feel like Dennis Green with this. He was who we thought he was. 
He was who he thought he was. What did you think you were going to get? With a godless system, what do you think is going to usher in? Of course, all of it's coming in. There is a show right now on, I think it's Prime Video, called I Pedophile. And what they're doing is desensitizing you to be able to accept. And the whole film, the whole documentary, so that you can understand just how how messed up these people are. And you should have some sympathy for them so you can eventually allow them to come and just be normal people in your society and eventually give them their needs. What did, what did you think you were going to get? I, Jason, I have hardly I, I need to probably settle down because I'm about to flip when it comes to the education stuff. When it comes to your kids, how important are they? Because. If you think that education is neutral, you have lost it. I know everybody's praising DeSantis right now because of what he's doing with the whole bill and, and, and they're fighting the bill because they don't like it. But it's not enough. You want to do something bold, allow parents to take their kids out of government schools and choose the education that they want for their kids so that you don't tax them. Now, that's bold. Here's something else bold. Forget waiting for your civil magistrate and government to do it. Show me that you value the kids that you have made and feed and go to work to protect. Take them out of government schools and educate them. Your kids will have a better godly education from your wife staying home and training them and teaching them how to talk, teaching them how to read, teaching them about God's world and how it works and operates. If you are not willing to take that type of risk to educate the kids that you've made, then give them to the government. Let them continue to have gay pride there in the schools. This is ridiculous. These are your kids. God gave you these kids to guard and to protect. And you, we should know that this is how the devil comes at us, Jason. He comes for the children and the women. It hasn't changed since Genesis. And as men, we should be the first one to say, baby, I know we get an extra income. From you working. I get it, but you know what? I value you and I value our kids and I fear God more than anything else. We are going to take control of our education and we're going to stop the paternal attitude that the government tries to have us in so that we become slaves of the government. Forget DeSantis and what he does. Those are my kids and I'm going to be the one to protect them. Mm. Uh, Dave, glad I called an audible and brought you in. That was great stuff. I got to keep it moving. Salute, I'm sir. I'm going to uh, bring in the Korean Cosell next and talk a little bit about ESPN and its role in this. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about First Leaf. When you're on the hunt for new wine, you have two options. You can wander around your local grocery store picking bottles at random, or you can go to tryfirstleaf.com and get personalized wines delivered right to your door for a fraction of the cost. If you love the excitement of discovering new wines but hate the risk of disappointment, First Leaf Wine Club is a no-brainer. First Leaf curates and ships wines that are personalized to your taste, allowing you to discover wines from five continents and 12 countries. With their online rating system, not only are you being introduced to new wines, but each new First Leaf shipment is better than the last. First Leaf is so confident you'll love the wine, they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you receive a bottle that isn't exactly what you were hoping for, First Leaf will credit your account. If you love finding and tasting new wine, First Leaf is your new best friend. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go true, try, T-R-Y, First Leaf, L-E-A-F, dot com slash fearless that's six bottles of wine for 29.95 and free shipping at 
try, T-R-Y, firstleaf.com slash fearless. All right, the Korean Coast Cell. Eric's. All right, let's roll out to California and bring in the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim, talk about the ESPN uh, aspect of all this, their moment of silence for the LGBTQIA plus uh, <laughs> community. Uh, Steve, I, I want to start here. ESPN pretended like it didn't want to talk politics for a time. John Skipper was run out, cocaine and malfeasance as the head of ESPN, Jimmy Pitaro replaces him. There's a move to, to shut off the political commentary. Jamel Hill is eventually let go. Uh, but now ESPN has gone completely the other direction, and they're more of a political organization than at any time in their history, which begs the question, was this where they were always headed and they were lying to the public or lying to themselves about not getting here? Well, first of all, uh, Jason, start of another great uh, fearless week here. Uh, I, I wrote down some notes here. This is the original tablet. I still use these things. Um, to your question initially, once DeSantis stood up to Disney, Disney by its association with ESPN, they were backed into a corner uh, once some of their disgruntled employees, which probably make up, if you go by the American populace, what, less than 2%. They were bullied into doing these walkouts. And that, that's the situation that I kind of uh, weaned from it. Uh, I mean, I just thought it was so interesting watching that clip. And by the way, shouldn't it be Jum L. Duncan? You could, you could steal that from me. Uh, you can take that one. See what I did there? But I'm watching this Jum clip. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Use that one. That's you. That's all you. I copyrighted, but that's you. Okay, I'll get royalties. So here's the funniest yeah. thing is I'm watching that. I, first of all, she sounds so proud of herself, like like there's a certain nobility to what she did. And I think the rest of America is like, what are you talking about? Then you showed that other clip of the two ladies calling that one game, talking about they have to do this and that a threat to human rights somewhere is a threat to human rights everywhere. And I'm thinking Martin Luther King, who I believe, said that original phrase must be rolling over in his grave. But here's the thing that really opened my eyes. They had this cutaway of the score, South Carolina 44, Howard 4. Came up with two questions. Number one, did Howard at least get to double-digit points? And the second thing is, if you're doing a moment of silence in a women's college basketball playoffs, round one, not the final four, but if you're doing it in the first round on an afternoon weekday, if you do a moment of silence and no one's watching, does it actually make no sound? Because I'm just thinking, let's, let's be honest about this, Jason. Us outlets talking about it actually amplified the message more than they did. Th that's the whole takeaway I have from that. Uh, you make some good points. Uh, if silence falls in the woods, is it really right. silence? Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure it is, but... I, I, I guess we have no choice 
but to expect this now from Jael Duncan and others at ESPN because it does seem to be a successful formula, particularly for women in the sports broadcasting lane. You tie yourself to these political issues. You, you form allyship with the LGBT, Black Lives Matters, and you all cut deals behind the scenes, the, the feminists, the LGBT, and Black Lives Matter. And, and it's really all about uh, legitimizing your, because L. Duncan, other than talking politics, she has nothing to say about sports that would ever make news or make her noteworthy. Uh, pretty much same thing with Jamel. She didn't know enough about sports. She wasn't interested enough about sports. So she went to trolling Donald Trump. Maria Taylor went to uh, trolling Drew Brees about the national anthem and, uh, you know, you know, took on George Floyd as a, a, a husband in, de- in, in death. And, and use George Floyd to elevate herself. That's, that's what it feels like to me, particularly from L. Duncan, is all of this, LGBT, Black Lives Matter, all of it is just really a tactic to build her brand and to strengthen her career. And so I, I just, this is, seems to be a ploy by uh, the, the, BIPOC uh, female <laughs> broadcasters. Jason, uh, when it came to Leah Thomas, they were like that Bart Simpson, or excuse me, Homer Simpson meme where Homer comes out of the bushes and then he goes like, oh boy, and he goes back. It's like, you want to talk about a moment of silence? They had about a five-month <laughs> moment of silence as it related to Leah Thomas, who, by the way, I guess tanked her race. I want to get into that a little later if we can. But this is the issue. <laughs> With Jum L. Duncan, and I don't know her personal life, and I'm not trying to make any type of judgment, but is she married and does she have kids? And in the deepest recesses of her mind. Yes and yes. Okay. So would she want her kids between the ages and five and eight be taught by their teachers about sexuality in any form or fashion? I would love to hear a real honest response because if you actually read the bill, and they, they've labeled it the don't say gay bill, uh, a pejorative, but you actually read the fine print, as Jimmy Johnson would say, it's really not about that. It's about the ability of parents to say at least at a certain age, these kids are way before even being prepubescent, they're toddlers for the most part. Uh, is it that irresponsible? Uh, is it that irrational for parents to say, hey, so they at least get to sixth grade. Can we have no form of sex ed? Uh, that's where they, they lose me. And I, again, I would like to ask Miss Duncan, would you want your kids to be indoctrinated at such an early age? I, I don't think you can get an honest answer for, from her. And I think you may be surprised by her really honest answer. And because I think it would be she would probably say, yeah, I'd be perfectly fine with that because that answer would further advance her career. She's protected within that workspace by the, because again, ESPN has all these special interest groups 
within their ESPN employee. They have a Hispanic group. They have a black group. They have an LGBTQIA plus group. And so those little special coalitions all rally around each other. They're installing as many uh, women or transgender women or just women of color. They're, they're installing as many women in the key places within uh, ESPN as possible. And again, so that allyship that she's talking yeah. about is real. They have put their arms together. And it's just like Maria Taylor, when she was sitting there saying, I want Stephen A. Smith money, that's because that's what the LGBT, the feminist people in their organization, and the Black Lives Matter group were, were basically arguing is, you know, these women, and particularly these black women, need to be getting paid like Stephen A. Smith and like male hosts on ESPN, like Mike Greenberg and whoever. And so it, it, this is all just a power play, Steve. It's, it's just about power and money. That, that's what politics are always about. Yeah, and I think the other word I'd use is grifting, but there was an interesting juxtaposition on Friday when this took place. And we go back to ESPN, and I don't know if you got to know him during your tenure there at that company, but everyone was hit with the very surprising news that John Clayton, a very respected, highly competent NFL reporter for years at the network, had passed away at 67. I don't know if we ever knew his politics. All he did was stick to football. He was reliable. He was competent, and he just did his job with aplomb and nothing else. And if you actually read the social media reaction to his death, there was a great outpouring. And my theory is, is because he represented a time and place at that network where it was just about sports. They didn't hammer home a message. They didn't try to politically berate you in any way or culturally uh, cast you aside if you didn't agree with their message. And that's what I thought was really ironic. On a day that ESPN does this, uh, a certain voice by the name of John Clayton, who lived a very good life and had a great career, just by doing his job honestly, passed away on that very same day. What you have to understand is, and, and I apologize for being dishonest, but L. Duncan's not remotely capable of doing what John Clayton did. Right. She can't talk just sports. She doesn't know enough. And that's just a fact. She's the, if L. Duncan were not attractive and, uh, and wasn't really light-skinned, I don't think she would have that job. She's there because she's great eye candy and she's easily programmable. And they have pro and, and she'll play the political game uh, that, that, that's, that's in vogue right now. If, if, if the winds ever change, if the political winds change, trust me, L. Duncan will change right along with the political winds. None of this stuff do I think they really authentically believe in other than they think it's a tool to get power. Yeah. And, and so that's human nature because many of the men are going along too. That's why we've seen so yeah. many of them crying on air because yeah. being feminine and being weak is, is in style right now. And so, you, you know, L. Duncan's no different than Ryan Clark. She's doing what she thinks she has to do to survive. Ryan Clark plays the race card and cries about 
some white woman that called his son a name that he doesn't know who she is, because that's what he thinks advances his career. He, people will do anything for power and money. And, and politics is the perfect platform for doing anything for power and money, and that's why so many people are, are leaning into it. I, I just, the, the other part of, of all of this that, that I want you, and I know it's, it's not exactly your lane to discuss it in this way, but you're a smart guy. Uh, I, my argument is that you can't change American culture without changing sports culture. Mm. Sports, live sports, particularly football, is the most powerful communication platform that we have. The only thing that people in great numbers rally around to watch is football, live football at this time. You know, the Oscars don't draw big numbers. The, the, there's so many different TV networks and different shows that there is no show. When I was young, Dallas drew amazing numbers and you could put messages in there, run commercials in there, get your point across. Now the only way to do it is football. And so I see the left and the LGBTQIA plus <laughs> and, and Black Lives Matter, they must take over football in order to get their message out in the way that they want to get it out. And, and ESPN, by getting Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, have now become, I believe, and I, I, I know they still need a better Sunday football show, uh, but I believe ESPN is now the destination for football with Joe Buck mm. and, and Troy Aikman. You got Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler and, and a big college football brand. And so I think that's why they're willing to pay Aikman and Buck a combined 30 plus million dollars uh, so they can be the place for football. I think they're going to get much better Monday night football games. And so this whole left LGBT feminist messaging is going to uh, be more empowered at ESPN than ever before. Yeah. Uh, first of all, about that acronym, that thing is longer than a John Gruden play call now. I, I didn't even realize they added the last three alphabets recently. I, I learned something on Friday. I was like Spider Y, Banana, Z, Curl, 14. I go to the fire hydrant and cry. But anyway, you're right about that. Jay, go back, and I think it started this offseason, and, and you, we've spoken about it. Didn't the NFL run a commercial with the rainbow colors? And with their logo saying football is for everyone. And it was aimed at that community. And I remember watching that yes. commercial. Saying, okay. No one ever said it wasn't, but now they are much more open and out front about it. And the word that I would use is infiltration. There used to be a point that sports was a refuge. It was an umbrella from all the societal and political issues where people can just get together and it was just about the game and we've all found a common ground. And yeah, you could argue there was a time when athletes were activists. I would also argue back then in the 60s in the days of Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they were much more educated and more well-read, okay? Uh, Muhammad Ali, he ain't walking through that door anymore. Now they're almost being forced to be these activists and these leaders. 
and, and it comes off as very, very shallow and fake to me, to be honest with you. When I see a Malcolm Jenkins, I'll, I'll never forget. Five years ago, Malcolm Jenkins, before the NBA Finals, I guess the Eagles were having a mini camp, so it had to be in May or June, starts holding up these placards about crime rates and murder, and he, but he wouldn't answer any questions. And he was trying to make a statement basically saying, there's a lot of crime here, and I think the underlying message was, well, it's not our fault. It's basically you white folks. And I just said to myself, if I was a media member, I would have said, Malcolm, let's get into those crime stats and how they are actually formulated and the root cause of why. But nobody wants to challenge him. So it'd be one thing, Jason, if the athletes were allowed to speak out, which they are, and they do. The missing element is there are no longer journalists who are willing to give up their access and be popular to push back on false narratives and actually ask tough questions. If you had both of that, I actually think some interesting dialogue can occur instead of a lot of these guys who are afraid to lose their spot, they want to get hired by the networks, and if they lose their woke card, they ain't getting hired. Well, I'll go straight to the boxing world and stay with Muhammad Ali. What made Muhammad Ali so great was that Howard Cosell would engage him in spirited debate and discussion. And Ali would go sit down and talk and debate with anybody. All the, you know, you talk to any of the sports journalists back in that, it it wasn't hard to get access to Muhammad Ali and he didn't get offended uh, when you ask him difficult questions. He'd respond, he may belittle you, he may, but he's going to engage you. These guys today, and we had it for a while uh, at Speak for Yourself, because I would challenge, the athletes would say things that weren't filled with a great deal of substance, and I'd call them out on them and, and question them. It's no different. I started today's show, and we'll end on this note, Steve. I started today's show because I want to make this random point about Jawan Howard. You probably saw the oh. image of Jawan Howard hugging the oh. Tennessee basketball player Chandler and, yes. and Kendrick Perkins, who I, I, I'm you, I like Kendrick Perkins, but he's a typical athlete. He doesn't understand the media, and he put out a tweet that, you know, y'all need to show this as much as y'all showed the punch video or whatever, or Jawan Howard p- taking a swing at somebody. And I'm like, first of all, it's not unusual for the winning coach to be graceful and classy and under compassionate to a losing player on the other team. That happens all the time. What's unusual is for a coach to take a swing at another coach in the handshake <laughs> line. That's why it was unusual. It was dog, our man bites dog, and so it went everywhere. It's easy to be classy when, when you, win. you win. So it's not some great point. But again, athletes rarely get challenged on that kind of stuff because we live in a culture that worships athletes. Jason, again, Chris Rock said, I got a job. Good, you're supposed to. I stay out of jail, stay out of jail. I feed my kids. Right, good, what do you want, a cookie? You're doing what you're supposed to. (laughs) I mean, have we lowered the, this this is like if I mug an old lady or old ladies 10 times. But if I hold the door open for one trying to get into uh, to Walmart, I don't get credit for that. I mean, give me a break. One last thing is speaking about the fights. I was at the fights at USC. The main event dropped out with Virgil Ortiz. I wanted to go anyway. Jason, you'd be surprised how many people came up to me instead of saying, hey, I like your show. Or I read your column. 
more than a few people came up to me and said, Steve, I, I love your work on Fearless. We watch every day. Just want to let you know the message is spreading. Uh, and you think I'm surprised by that, Steve? Huh? Oh, God. You think I'm surprised? You know what I like about you, Jason? No <laughs> false modesty. You keep it real, man. That is fearless. That is fearless, man. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Uh, let me tell you about uh, my friends over at Bank on Yourself. Uh, do you really control your retirement money? If you have a 401k, IRA, or similar retirement plan, the government controls it. They decide how much you can borrow and when you must pay it back. Plus, you'll owe back taxes and penalties for taking money out too soon or waiting too long, even though it's your money. And thanks to our skyrocketing national debt, who knows how much you'll have to pay in taxes during a retirement that could last 30 years. Bank on Yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. Guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income. No luck, skill, or guesswork required. In fact, Bank on Yourself has a 100-year-plus track record of positive growth. You don't have to beg permission to use your own money. Perhaps the best reason of all, you'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your plan on the day you plan to tap into it. And at every point along the way, visit bankonyourself.com fearless and get a free report with all the details of how Bank on Yourself can help you take back control of your money. Go to bankonyourself.com fearless right now. It's a great move. You, you need financial independence from all these big banks and big institutions. You need to bank on yourself. Do it right now. There's a sponsor that supports me, you, and our point of view. All right, Shamika Michelle, Uncle Jimmy. Next. We must exist in a state of man glorious, as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible, with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for uh, Shamok Show. Shamika Michelle, Uncle Jimmy here as well. Let's roll out to North Carolina and see what 
questions uh, Shamika has for me and Uncle Jimmy today. Uh, Shamika, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome back Thank to you. the show. Hope you had a great weekend. It's good, always good to see you. Uh, Thank what's you. on your mind today? Okay, Jason. So over the weekend, the Babylon Bee, which promotes itself as a satire site, or it says that they are fake news you can trust, they were suspended from Twitter for naming Rachel Levine, who is the Assistant Secretary for the United States Department of Health and Human Services, for naming him man of the year. So I just want to get your take on that and their suspension and what you think about it. Uh, I, there it, look, the point of this show is that ministers and comedians have let America down. And, and, and people would like, they'll get the minister part, like, hey, I understand the importance of ministers and faith and blah, blah, blah. But comedians play a very critical role in public discourse. Ministers and comedians have been authorized to say uncomfortable truths. And people have that expectation that they're going to say things that other people normally wouldn't say. And, and it's their job and it's kind of their duty and role in a society that's functioning properly to create space for everyone else to have truthful, honest discourse. And so comedy's under attack as a way to police free speech and a way to police speech that big tech and the alphabet mafia uh, disagree with. And so uh, Rachel Levine is a protected species uh, because he has decided to transition into womanhood. And, you know, you can't crack jokes about Rachel Levine, despite him. He allegedly was born with the greatest privilege you could have. He was a white man. Uh, and, and but now he's because he has claimed he's a woman and uh, grown his weave out. Uh, he's now, you know, a protected person who can't be ridiculed. He's, he's a public official. He could be a private person and not have accepted a high level government job. Those type of individuals and human beings have always faced a, a level of criticism and ridicule and comedy, but, uh, that's no longer the case. Uh, we, we can't crack jokes about Rachel Levine. Um, you know, it, it's sad, but this is the world we live in now with Twitter in control of public discourse and amplifying the voices of the people they deem need to have their voices amplified. And that's why, I mean, you would have to think that less than then less than a half of a percent, not even a full percent, less than a half a percent of Americans are transgender. They're getting 30% of the conversation in America. It, it's kind of incredible. Their voices have been amplified. This, is it 100,000? Is it 200,000 people? I don't, maybe it's a million. I don't know. But there are 330 million people here in America. Let's say a million people are transitioning. That's still not a high percentage of Americans. But man, 
they got a high percent of the conversation and a real high percent of protection from uh, big tech. And, and, and maybe they deserve it. Maybe they're so vulnerable uh, that they deserve that level of protection. Um, I tend to disagree, but those would be my thoughts. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Jason, especially for someone that still gets a prostate exam. I think this was a perfect award for Rachel Levine. Let me tell you about a dream that I had last night. This is how serious this is getting, that it's affecting me at night. So I had a dream that I was standing on this patio and I was attacked by two men. Me being a woman, I told the men, I'm going to go inside and get another man to come out here and fight this battle. Well, when I get inside, the person that I thought was a man is actually a woman. So in the dream, I look at this woman and say, are those women that I see? And I, I realized at that moment, there's no one to protect me. So when it comes to what's happening now and the way we are seeing men try to move into to women's roles, I don't think this is something that we as women have to should take on by ourselves. I think that men have to actually stand up and protect us from these insane men because we, we're not gonna be able to do it alone. And when it comes to Twitter, Twitter says that their purpose is to serve the public conversation. They say, they say that their rules exist to make sure that conversation is had freely and safely. Well, I think that Twitter is a lie because they only make sure that this is free and safe on one side. I see conservatives all the time being banned and suspended, whereas people on the left can say whatever they want to say. And so I think that Twitter is unfairly pushing this narrative and trying to silence those of us who actually have sense, who actually want to maintain some type of normalcy in the world and, and push a bunch of foolishness out here. They also say that they don't allow adult content. That's also a lie because I know I'm not the only person that has clicked on something trending and said to myself, oh my God, I had no idea I love Twinkies hashtag would lead to this. So I just think that what we are witnessing is just them going against God in all ways and silencing the voices of those who are actually trying to speak up and say, this is not right. This is crazy. And we got to do something about it. Mm. Well, you took the words right out of our, my mouth and perfect synergy with what uh, me and Dave Shannon talked about at, at the top of the show. All right. Uh, what do you have for uh, Uncle Jimmy today? Well, for Uncle Jimmy, especially since he's dressed like, you know, an uncle that talks to you with his cigarette hanging out, like, uh, so let me tell you, uh, young blood, uh, what's going to happen here today is uh, <laughs> what I have for Uncle Jimmy is there was a case in North Carolina where I am where they held a mock slave auction at a school K through eighth grade. I want to get Uncle Jimmy's take on this because there was a parent who has a mixed child who actually brought this to light on Facebook. And I want to hear what this man of wisdom 
has to say. And man of two young boys that are still in school. Shamik, I don't know if you know this or not, but I saw this story this weekend. They was talking about it. And you was earlier, we was talking about the, you were talking about the whole deal going on in Florida and the, the, the can't say gay rule and everything. Talking about what parents can do and can't do. I have two sons. My oldest son is 16. My youngest son is 13. I've had custody of those kids since they've been five and eight. Okay. I could not conceive anything going on in Wyandotte County public schools in Kansas City, Kansas. I could not see anything going on in that school to where they would think that it would be okay to have a slave auction and they would dare want to hear Sergeant Dodd's mouth in that school. You know, I, I, I don't see what in the world, what, what would be going on that you would think that this is okay. From the time that my son entered school in kindergarten, it was very, very important to me when he stepped into school that they understood that he didn't have a daddy, he had a father. And I was involved in my son's school curriculum every day, everything. I was on PTA, I was going on field trips, I was on fundraisers. Whatever it took for me to be a part of that son, my son's life. And I'm saying all of this because we talk about there's not a father in the home. Well, a lot of times you go to schools, parents ain't. I mean, the mother ain't participating. They're not participating in what's going on. If you as a parent are participating in what's going on in the school and the curriculum or what's going on, this type of nonsense is what happens. This is what you can do it because there's no parents being held accountable. Well, and I think as it relates to Florida, there's actually Florida is defending parents rights. But as we talked about earlier, ESPN, LGBTQIA plus activists are trying to push parents out of the role of having any say so in education. It's all being turned over to the government, I guess. And I, I just think that that is insanity, that, that that is crazy that the government and a teacher would have more say so than a parent. I, I, I just, we, we can't have that type of society. We should be, particularly parents that want to be involved in school, we should be doing everything to promote that and reward that, not try to push them out and say, we know better. We want to have conversations with your kids about gender and sexuality. That, that's not the school's role. They're not more qualified or better qualified than parents to have that discussion. And it's, you know, we played the video earlier uh, in the show, Shamika, that you sent me of the school in Austin, Texas that uh -huh. had their little gay pride parade through the school where all the kids, and they're like fourth graders to me, and now they're gonna have a gay pride week. And, and this was planned without the knowledge of parents, or this school planned some of this without the knowledge of parents. I, I, just, I just can't believe this is the direction we're going in this society, but uh, lucky for you, Shamika, your kids are out of high school, I guess. 
Thank goodness they are, because I would probably be somewhere in handcuffs. I think this is a prime example. What happened, the parade and also this slave uh, trade or mock auction. I think this is why parents have to be very aware of what's going on in your children's school. Some of these parents were upset that the students that participated in this slave trade only received one day suspension. I honestly don't think it's necessary necessarily the children's fault. I think it starts a number one at home. You have to know what's going on in these schools that you are sending your children to. And then two, why were there adults who actually watched this take place? Why was it filmed? Why was nothing happened? Why did nothing happen until it came to the parents' attention? So I think we have to be very, very, very vigilant about staying on top of what's happening in these schools because from race to LGBTQIA, my goodness, you just have to be aware because I don't think that in kindergarten or through eighth grade was I thinking about let's do a mock slave trade. I think some of this is coming from what's being taught in school. These kids are so inundated with race every single day that as I told you all before, my child came home in middle school with an assignment that said, uh, imagine you were a slave. So when you're teaching these children things like this year after year, you can't be surprised that they start to do things that don't make sense because it never made sense in the first place. You can learn about history without trying to place yourself there and act out atrocities that happen in America. We don't have to do that. And so I think we have to just take a fine tooth comb and go through this education system because it's, it's crazy. Well, I think they want to traumatize uh, young people that, that haven't gone through uh, the kind of racism that used to be prevalent in America. And so we think there's some value. Oh, if they can experience this for themselves, they'll be more empathetic. They'll be more in tune with their dead ancestors uh, how about making them more competitive and and better equipped to deal with the modern world and today? Get them out of the rearview mirror and get them looking into the windshield. That's how you move forward in life. Uh, but, I, you know, exactly. I, I listened to all of this and the entire conversation we had today. And this stuff, this is just not an accident. There is an actual plot, in my view, and put the tinfoil hat on me, call me a conspiracy theorist. But, but there are people in America, in the education system, uh, and there are people outside of America, I think primarily China, uh, trying to make our kids dumb mm -hmm. uh, and unlearned in reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, and primarily, it's like the point of school almost feels like to learn about your racial identity and your sexual identity. And exactly. I just don't think that should be the priorities in school. Uh, teach them how to read and write, uh, think critically, but don't tell them what to think about their gender, sexuality, or race. Uh, leave that stuff to the parents, leave it to the church, leave it to loved ones, aunties, uncles, cousins, uh, you know, 
a lot of, how many teachers do we have to bust having sex with their students to to realize like some of these teachers ain't wrapped too tight and you know let them teach two plus two is four anybody can do that but having them teach sexuality you know that that just sounds like a pervert's fantasy so anyway uh thank you shamika uh we got to keep it moving uh uncle jimmy uh let's get to our approval rating of espn uh, if you don't have them as a dumpster fire, we're going to have problems. I'm just going to tell you that off top. Uh, so, <laughs> job, <laughs> job performance, uh, I, because it's the NCAA tournament time, I actually went up a little bit on their job performance just because I can still check scores on ESPN uh, and get a few highlights from the NCAA tournament. So last time we did ESPN, I had them at a one in job performance. I'm giving them a five right now. Uh, you know, I can check scores. And there's been a lot of NFL free agency moves that I've been able to check on ESPN. So I'm giving them a five right now. I moved up four points. You got me a little nervous here about what yeah. my grade's about to be. <laughs> um, I gave them a 25. In job? I gave them a 25. What's their job? Did they not say that they were, they used, the job used to be that they were the world, worldwide leader in sports. Yes. Now they're the worldwide leader in debauchery, abomination, and immorality. So you can't say they ain't doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, 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 underst- I disagree with your justification, but I understand it. Okay. okay. Uh, character, <laughs> uh, I, I went up a couple points again. It's, I'm in a charitable mood, NCAA tournament time. Uh, I'll give him a two in character. That's up two points from a zero uh, in character. You're not doing too good on this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give him a 25. In character. Character. They're high character. That's a high character organization. I said nothing about high character. I said they're full of characters. Check this out. Steven, AK-47 Smith. <laughs> Molly, used to be my rose. <laughs> Kindred, I only eat at Perkins. <laughs> Randy, cry me a river moss. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, they got a lot of characters. All right, I'm, I'm, boy, you put yourself up against the wall. One more point, and uh, you're in trouble. Uh, authenticity, I'm actually moving up. They, they have clearly adopted, we're a political organization, we're here to talk politics, and they're being very authentic about that. So I'm gonna give them a 17 in authenticity. Okay, I give them a zero in authenticity. What did they start out? Started out being about sports. Started out, who watched ESPN? College kids, young athletes. That was us. That, that was our thing. Look at it now. Where in the hell is it at? Come on, man, you get a zero for authenticity. Uh, it factor. I went up in it factor. to It's NCAA tournament time. I think of ESPN at this time. Scores, things like that. So I gave him a 10 in it factor. Mm. So if I give them one more point, I'm in trouble. Yes, huh? you are. Well, but I ain't worried about it. They get a zero. <laughs> whatever the hell it is, they lost it a long time ago. Hey, man, let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but I ain't liked ESPN since Stuart Scott left. Okay? I ain't liked ESPN since Jill Va- Jim Va- Valbano left. You know, I'm just being honest with you, man. I, I, I don't like them. And you can go head on because you don't represent what you stood for. Mm. All right, so uh, I've got him at 34, a dumpster fire, which is a 28-point improvement from the last time. 
Uh, Jimmy, you have them at a 50 just on the cusp of not being a dumpster fire. You, you skated by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. Have you seen some of the girls they got on there, man? <laughs> Come on, Ooh, they got do the, have some Instagram. Hey, man, they got the finest of the mulattoes, models. <laughs> it's a African-American beauty pageant. Eh? <laughs> uh, all right, that's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow.